I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. What's up? This is Champion New Sound, B. Hen, and you're tuned in to Rebel Radio. And Josh, fuck you, man. <laughs> What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh -huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. I know my throat sounds a little raspy today. Bear with me. It's only in the intro. It's not in the interview. The interview sounds good. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture. We talk about how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. I'm Josh Levine. With me in studio is DJ Behan. I really like this dude's whole get down. He's a, he's a great DJ. He's a philanthropist. He's a party promoter. Um, he's got uh, he's got some great stories and a really great sense of his own brand and his whole presentation and kind of why he does what he does and, and how he's going about it. Uh, some great lessons and, and great conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. Let's get into that right after the EDM.com track of the week. Yeah, that was last verse with Semper, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And right now, let's get into the interview with DJ B. Hen. Take the 
time. Good. It's all good. Thanks it's holiday time. week. It's uh, black going on. Oh, it's still grind time for us. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, well, let's get into it, man. Sure. Uh, I know you got a, a lot of interesting stories to share. Um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll like start us at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the first record you ever bought? Uh, not the first record I ever bought. I think it was a, a, a tape that was bought for me. Okay. Janet Jackson's Control. Uh-huh. And I remember so distinctly because it was a cassette tape. And um, I got so upset. I was like the, the most evil little four-year-old you could ever see because <laughs> somehow my dad popped a cassette tape. Is that right? And I was just so pissed yeah. because I loved that, that, that project. Yeah. And so that was the first... I guess record album cassette that I can remember. But Such a great record. I think where I first uh, people always ask like the hip hop question where I first fell in love with hip hop. Mm-hmm. Outcast, AT Aliens. Okay. Without a doubt. Yeah. I still play Wheels of Steel and, and different things from that that album, that project, and some of my sets. How somebody played it for you, or, or how'd you? Yeah. That? Funny enough, I was I was in Virginia visiting my country cousins. Okay. And they were playing the album nonstop. Yeah. And I was just like, what is this? And I thought, you know, I didn't get on Outcast to their second project. Um, but just something about the lyricism of Three Stacks, he's still my favorite yeah. artist, period. Yeah. You know? It's funny. I mean, I, you know, uh, I remember the first time hearing Southern Playlistic. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, I just felt like I couldn't get enough of that. Where? Yeah. yeah. And just, you know, not knowing. Obviously, you don't know what they're going to go on to become. But just from day one, you know, there's just something special about them. I don't think they even knew what they no, were going sure. to go on to become. Definitely not. You know? Definitely not. Let me tell you about our sponsor, HoneyBook. I know a lot of you started your own businesses or you're thinking about it. You got your side hustle. You, you're an entrepreneur. You're the CEO, but uh, if it's your if it's your company and you're you're just starting out, you're you're also going to be the accountant, the marketing manager, the assistant. Uh, you got to do it all. And if you don't, it doesn't get done. And I know that's not why you started your business. I can say that for myself. I started to bring ideas into the world, and yet we get stuck with all this minutia. So uh, to help you, you need HoneyBook. It's an online business management tool that organizes all your client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. You can sync it up with your Google Suite, your MailChimp, your QuickBooks, or whatever other tools you use. And uh, and it helps you automate all, all that busy work. There's templates, there's, um, uh, it's just a great system for, for getting more done with less time, lets you focus on the stuff that you really wanna be doing uh, and control your business. Right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com slash rebel. Payment's flexible, and the promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to honeybook.com slash rebel for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash rebel. Um, and so, how'd you get started DJing? DJing, you know, interestingly enough, I've loved music my whole life. Okay. That's the cliche answer that everybody says. You but grew no, up pl- 
playing music or no or i was a military brat so we moved around so much like okay. i had the desire to want to be like in marching band and do different things yeah which i realized like i was less interested in playing an instrument and more interested in being a drum major just like uh -huh. dance on the field and sure. you know just lead the band yeah. you know interesting enough that's what i do now as a professional dj i'm leading the crowd right but um as it relates to to becoming a professional DJ, it was actually a process of elimination. Okay. I did so many other things, blessed to do so many other things prior to finally realizing that you, you can't honor the gifts that you've been given if you spend 10 to 12 hours a day doing a job that makes you miserable. So take us through some of those things that you tried and Man, weren't for you. I worked on Capitol Hill. Okay. I was a congressional page Damn. under Elijah Cummins, who recently passed away, 7th District of Baltimore. Amazing, amazing man. Um, it's, a, it's a program where you basically learn the legislative and policy-making procedures of our nation mm -hmm. by actually working on the House floor. Went to school in the Library of Congress for a semester. Wow. Um, interned all types of places, you know, yeah. insurance and MetLife and hotel services and just a host of things. But yeah. I landed a position uh, doing some back-end operations for an investment bank. Okay. And I hated it. You know, I was an economics major in undergrad, so that was uh -huh. a traditional path to go along. And I told him, like, I didn't want to do it, right. you know, left and took on a position in telecom just to work my way up to doing an entertainment and marketing uh, sponsorships role. Okay. But before you get there, you have to work in a call center for a year, having people call you everything but a child of God, cussing you out about Man. their services. Um, but they say, hey, you don't know how to market a product until you know how to sell it. Right. You know, so we're on the managing sales. Okay. But, uh, you know, eventually I, I realized, like, no, I don't love when I got to that post of being able to on a, on a marketing and sponsorship side. Yeah, we were partnering with like Jonas Brothers and Taylor Swift and NASCAR and Lakers. But I realized that was great, but I didn't love music for its ability to sell a product. I love it for the feeling, mm -hmm. you know, and so I was on a path to go to business school. I had done a summer program at Harvard Business School. Nice. I'd done a nine month program at uh, UCLA Anderson. Okay. And so I was doing all these programs to prepare me to be the top business school candidate. Yeah. And uh, there was this program called MLT, Management Leadership for Tomorrow, mm -hmm. and it focused on uh, adding diversity to the B-School mm -hmm. platform. And they kept, every, every meeting I would go to was talking about being introspective, being introspective. And so I let a few deadlines pass by and I really took that time to dig in. I mm -hmm. realized that it's just music. Why take an indirect path to what it is that I really want to do? So while, while all that was happening, what was your relationship to music? Like, were you... Man, you, just you a, at school and then going out to the clubs at night or you it was it was I mean from college like I was the guy always doing like the these 50 track mixtapes uh -huh. on cool edit pro yeah <laughs> um and then uh you know anytime somebody was doing some type of performance on campus I'd be the guy they were hitting up to to edit the music and right. put an explosion here and make this song sound this way da da sure. da so you're making music just not as a career right you okay. know um but then also yeah of course, the natural thing, hitting the parties, in the clubs, streaming music from across the world. But yeah. it was just, it felt like a fantasy more than an actual possibility, you know? Sure. Um, I know you spent some time in London. Mm -hmm. uh, how did that, how did that influence your, your musical journey? It influences the journey even still to this day. Um, we have, as DJs now, we all have access to similar music from record pools and MV3s. Mm -hmm. But, you know... What I find that oftentimes DJing in the States or in DJing major cities, they can be a certain monot like a monotonous sound. You know, yeah. it's all hip hop. Or a sure. few years ago, it was EDM or the right. hip hop version, the EDM version of a hip hop song, you know? Right. Right. But when I'm really looking to differentiate what I play and how I play, I always look 
overseas and see what's popping or just listen to things that really speak to me. Okay. And so I listen to a lot of BBC One Extra, you know, the radio stoves that come on that station. And I, what I love about the UK is like more so than like a New York or, or the States, London is such a hub for diversity. Yeah. And I think because Britain is, is a smaller country as, as a whole, that the appreciation for other cultures is is immediately in your face. It's just mm -hmm. so pronounced. Sure. And so that spills over into how people consume and listen to music as well. You know, it's not like I'm going to a club where this is just one genre. There's just so many genres and subgenres mm -hmm. that are all hitting you all at, at one time. And so that's how the music flows in the radio stations as well. And so that's what that's why I'm kind of uniquely inspired. Even even all things as relates to soul and R&B to me comes from the UK right now. Is that right? Yeah. Like, uh, give me an example. I mean, and I'm, I'm not even sure she's actually from the UK, but like Snow Allegra, uh -huh. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I love I love her sound, I love her vibe, you know, like, uh, just, just vibes, you know what I mean? I mean, it's interesting, you know, <laughs> obviously uh, it's been happening for, you know, 50 years, more than that, from the jazz days, right, where mm -hmm. music is, where we create an idea out of the U.S., mm -hmm. And then the UK picks it up and kind of feeds it back to us, mm -hmm. right? And that's happened, you know, happened with rock and roll, happened with, with uh, you know, with soul. Mm -hmm. You know, it's happened. But I'm always amazed when I go over there and find these artists that are like, I just heard one the other day, now I'm going to forget the names, which is great, great radio. Um, all, I mean, trust me, Georgia Smith, m and &E Disclosure, like, it's just such a... But I'm always amazed when you hear of these artists that are massive over there and we've never even heard of them here. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's crazy. I mean, I think because uh, even to the point I was making earlier, we, we just tend to focus on just what's immediately promoted to us, sure. you know, via radio or just what's easily accessible. But I think it really takes a, a true music connoisseur to kind of step out of your comfort zone of what's immediately available yeah. to kind of dig. Yeah. So that's what that kind of represents for me, like just digging. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so take us back. Um, I get it. You're, you're doing marketing, you're learning investment banking, all this. Mm -hmm. Sounds like interesting learning opportunities, I would imagine. Tons. Um, <laughs> take us to, the, to that decision then to, to go make music the thing. I was on a trip with some friends on New Year's Eve, and I was deeply immersed into an autobiography of uh, Quincy Jones. Uh -huh. And I was just so you know, enamored in the fact that this man has been with music his whole life and just how he transitioned from like, you know, Count Bassey's band and yeah. working with Frank Sinatra and uh, doing, you know, symphonies to to producing Off the Wall for Michael Jackson to ultimately doing, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Like he had his hands in so many different aspects of musical culture, you know, the whiz. Mm -hmm. And it was just like he kept taking steps, you know, the one he he'd find failure in one place, but he wouldn't ever allow that to stop him. Like his energy was so just um magnetic and he's just such a sponge and just one he's such a loving person. Even to this yeah. day, if you've ever met Quincy, sure. he's just like you felt like it's like your uncle who's known you your whole life. Right. And so I was just heavily inspired by that. But then also 
you know, I'm just, I keenly believe that we're spiritual beings having a human experience. And the thought process that I couldn't make music transition from a passion to a profession was just rooted in being too logical. Mm. You know, so I tapped into my spiritual base. I, was, I started practicing Buddhism. Okay. I learned that I'm the cause and not the effect of everything that transpires in my life. Yeah. Heavily inspired by. How did that? How did, How did that come about? Yeah. When I was a kid, I saw What's Love Got to Do With It, Tina Turner. Okay. She's yeah. getting her ass kicked by Ike. <laughs> <laughs> and at a point, she realized, like, you know, I'm choosing this yeah. abuse. I'm choosing to view myself yeah. as less than or incapable or, you know, she, she didn't see herself as someone who had this massive gift. She was so attached right. to this sure. desire for love. And so when they got divorced, she's like, all I want is my name. And it took her eight years from her being divorced mm -hmm. and to the point where she began to rise again. Yeah. But that's kind of what it's like. Like you have to, well, the, the practice allowed me to see myself a lot more clearly. You know, if I could make a good living doing something that I didn't love, imagine the living I could make by doing something I love, mm -hmm. by honoring who I am first, honoring who I've been created to be. And I learned through that process uh, that when you focus on creating value for others, the universe always responds in kind. And so I just took a leap. I said, F it, you know, I'm going, I'm going to bet on myself and bet nice. on the gifts that I have. Yeah. And I said, if it doesn't work in a year, I'll go back to school. Yeah. That never happened. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago was that? Next year will be 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Kind of um, crazy. Time is flying. And is it, do you, you practice uh, Nichiren Buddhism, the same as Nichiren, Nichiren Buddhism, SDI. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I practice for a long time. I'm, yeah. I'm not com completely constricted to one form of spiritual enlightenment at this point. Okay. But the roots of that, that practice are so firmly within me. And funny enough, uh, I met Herbie Hancock. Uh-huh. Herbie at a, yeah. uh, a Buddhist. Yeah, he's a Buddhist as well. Yeah, it was like an early Buddhist session. I'm like, I don't even get up at this hour, but it was like, <laughs> 7.30 in the morning, we're in there chanting, and at the yeah. end, I talked to him and asked him, like, you know, how, particularly in your era, where I'm sure people really were discouraging you against being a musician, mm -hmm. he briefly explained, he was just like, you know, he's like an electrical in engineering major in Iowa somewhere, yeah. failing out of all his classes because he had put in so much music, attention into music, and had to get, like, A's on his exams, just, to, you know, net out with, like, right, a C right. in the course, and he said, if you're really authentic in what you say you want to do, take lessons. Every great musician mm -hmm. takes lessons. Mm -hmm. So that day I went and signed up for Scratch Academy. Nice. DJ school in West LA. Yeah. Changed everything. Yeah? Yeah. So tell me about that. I mean, those guys are friends of ours. We've had Hop On, the show, Revolution. Chalk, the whole, Chalk. The whole fam. Yeah, that's, that's family for and us. And even Chalk now is bro broken off and he yeah, has Beat yeah. Junkie DJ school, you know. That's right. He's been a Beat Junkie for like 30 years. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a, um, amazing environment you know every time i hear new djs coming up now they want to they, they they like the energy that's being emitted during a performance and they want to okay. run up and say hey you know can you teach me I'm da, 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 da. i say i go back to the same advice i was giving if you're serious take lessons but you need to take lessons to, from people who are dedicated professionals you know someone who's a, a a dj who's very you know successful in his or her career and traveling mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. they won't have the consistency or the time to really give you that energy but whereas at, at scratch academy you have courses that are teaching you you know beat matching beat yeah. juggling you know understanding the five points of a song understanding you know how to blend songs understanding you know different genres creating a lounge set creating a club set mm -hmm. creating a set that's a subgenre of a subgenre putting you in environments where you literally had test for us that like we were in the dark room and this is and this is before all the cell phones had lights right. <laughs> damn i'm sounding old <laughs> <laughs> 
and it was. Right, I'm gonna tell you about before we had cell phones. Yeah, so, <laughs> make you feel young again. No, but they'd be like, okay, put you in a room with a few elements of the equipment missing. Figure yeah. it out. Because this is what it's going to like when you go to a nightclub. Sure, you gave them your rider. For sure. But whoever's managing this equipment doesn't know what the hell they're doing. But as a DJ, no one cares about who's behind the scene. They're looking at you. Mm-hmm. You are, for, for the layman person who's in the audience, they don't know anything about a sound tech. They don't yeah. know anything. It's just, sure. is this DJ able to make it work? Yeah. And in spite of um, the equipment possibly being trash, you still have to give a performance. That's going to make someone go way happier than when they came. Yeah. And so that's the basis of which I learned so many great things at Scratch Academy. So how does that, you know, DJing is one of those things that, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, you know, it was kind of handed down from one to another. There was no, there was no school for DJing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, most people didn't have access to turntables, but you know, all, all, everybody in my generation who learned to DJ, it was like some, some cat on the block or at school or whatever kind of just put them up on it. Mm-hmm. And they just learned whatever that person knew and some of them took it further and some didn't. So how, do you, how does it change, do you think, the, the art form when there is this, uh, you know, it goes from that, that more of like an oral tradition to mm-hmm. being more of a structured education? I think it's enhanced. I think it's a combination of both because you still have those who are, sure. can, can be orators in the space, if you will, to give you that tradition yeah. and the history of the craft. But then it also teaches you how to convert it from just a passion into a profession. Mm. Um, and that's oftentimes what's missing when you just learn from the guy on the block. Because depending on that, that person's aspirations, it may kind of curtail your aspirations. Because sure. that person is accustomed to only doing the block parties or only doing what's local. Yeah. You may not see it in its greatest capacity in comparison to when you're in an environment with people who are who specialize in different genres, who've had different career paths, who, you know, who've just kind of run the gamut of the DJ space, you get exposure to so many different possibilities. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think there's a lot of um, stuff people just hadn't thought of until somebody went out and did it. Yeah. And that's and, and so a, a lot of the the things that I aspire toward and, and then been blessed to achieve, I saw other DJs doing it first, you know? And so I just had to ha- I just had, you, what, you, you can, I think we can only do that which we see. Yeah. And, and, and from that, we kind of build on top. Sure. Um, so you, uh, you seem, I mean, even in the, the short conversation, like you seem to have a very clear vision and a clear sort of definition of who you are. And, uh-huh. um, so tell me about that. Tell me about what is the vision and how did that come about? Wow. Um, the vision has always been, as aforementioned, to use the gift as, as a means to create value for others. Okay. I realize the gift is not my own. In any moment where I begin to make it about me, it, it, it will be taken away. Yeah. You know, and I think that's do you, oftentimes. Do you, do you, have you bumped into that? Oh, hell yeah. The moments when things got were going really well, and they're still going really well. But you you can hit a moment where things are going really well, and you you get a little ahead of yourself, you get sure. a little full of yourself, or you think that it's 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 me. Yeah, it's not me. I'm the vessel by which the gift flows, you know. And so the vision has always been to create an environment by which people feel loved upon by sharing music. Mm-hmm. You know, the manipulation of sound and audio, it's vibration, it's energy. And I think that's where I've always differed in, 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 in comparison to some of my counterparts. 
I've always just been less interested in the bottle popping and the girls or the guys or the, you know, the sex of it all and, you know, sex, drugs and rock and roll. Like, mm -hmm. nah, man, like, you know, if I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm doing drugs or something before my set, yeah. I am like God in the universe can't flow through a congested vessel. I, I'm not able to fully emit the, the full energetic charge of this resonance if 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 if. If I'm if I'm lit, <laughs> you know, if, if I'm yeah. if I'm drunk on tequila and people and it's always the funniest thing when you when you're DJing, people want to get you drunk. Like, no, we need you to get drunk. Right. I'm fine. You yeah, know, yeah. I'm already on a high up here, you yeah. know, have a little something, but not. Right. It's like I always say it's, it's like the bus driver with a, with a bus full of kids. Uh -huh. if the bus driver is drunk and everybody dies. Right. And then literally and that's what a party is like when you go yeah. to, you know, but but circling back, the vision has just always been able to use music as a means to connect people, as a means for people to feel more loved. And that's just where, that's just where my focus is, you know? Um, you know, I aspire to do music festivals. Okay. That's, that's where I would love to see my career go. Cause I've been blessed to do a lot of private events for a lot of notable celebrities and dignitaries and what mm -hmm. have you. And those are great. And that's, I think that just serves as the launching pad to just affect more people with music. Sure. Um, so I saw you were on Master of the Mix. Mm -hmm. um, how, how does that change the game for you? you how does that change the game? Man, I was such a, a novice DJ or just such a so, so early in my career at that point. I just had a lot of energy and didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> I think when I auditioned for the show, I was like two years in. Okay. And I was one of, definitely one of the most junior DJs on the, uh, on the show. Uh, Master of the Mix was... Interestingly enough, it was, I think it was a great, um, a great journey into how things can make or break you. Mm. And, not, and so often we, we have great opportunities and we think that they will make us, sure. but that's not the case at all. So, it's not one thing, it's a succession of many things right. that create a career. So what was, the, um, what was your mindset going into that show when you, before, you know, before it started? I made it. <laughs> or like, this is just such a great opportunity. I'm going to be on TV and, and, and uh, you know, Kid Capri is there. He's, gonna, he's hosting the show and I, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I just didn't know. I don't think I had a full clarity of, of what it required to just be present in my mm -hmm. own skin because there were just so many elements. The same people who are behind the scenes to interview people on Love and Hip Hop yeah. are the same people behind the scenes right. interviewing you on uh, Master the Mix. It's a sure. VH1 show. Right. So the show, from a production standpoint, tries to pull those little elements out of you, of tries course. to find where you're angry or, or when you say something yep. in frustration. It's, it's one of the most interesting things. But I mean, um, it's TV. We, you it's know, TV. It's easy to forget that. Right? Yeah, it's, it's reality TV. Yeah. But I'm overwhelmingly thankful for the opportunity because that's when I really learned that it's not just one thing that sure. makes you, like I said, it's a succession of things. Was there a moment when that came kind of when that became clear for you during the during the show? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think I got voted off like third or fourth for the show. Mm hmm. And uh, again, I, I, got, I have a lot of energy and personality when I DJ. I dance a lot, I move a lot, yeah. you know, even as of late, I've incorporated dance routines, like leaving the DJ booth and actually dancing at, nice. at, at, at um, <laughs> some of my events. Yeah. But um, at the time that wasn't, that wasn't received well at all because it was right. like, this show is about turntablism sure. and, and, and da da da, nobody cares. Uh, what's his name? A kid was like, 
or I'm not sure. Yeah, Kev was like. Sounds like Clark Kent. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you don't know if you want to dance or DJ. He's like, you like doing a, you're like the Diddy of DJing. You know what I mean? How Diddy is like one minute Kinda he's producing. Okay. <laughs> and it took me years to realize like, well, yeah, like you can do both. Like you don't have right. to just be one thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, where, where it really kind of hit me is like going online and reading comments mm -hmm. after the fact. They're like, this guy is trash. Like, how did he ever even get to this opportunity? Da, 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 da. Yeah. But it's television, right. you know what I mean? Sure. And, and oftentimes the people just at home with those Twitter fingers, I say the best DJs, honestly, are bedroom DJs. Mm. They're, they're amazing. They're so skilled, so they have some, the awesome technique, but they don't have the confidence to right. put themselves out there. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? For so sure. tons of lessons. I'm so thankful for, yeah. for that opportunity. It's kind of the start of a lot of great things. Hey, if you're digging this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out my interview with Mr. Chalk of the world-famous Beat Junkies. He's a great guy, great stories, great DJ. Um, he's now building the Beat Junkies DJ school, and, um, and I think you'll enjoy that one as well. So, so what happens when you're off then? Are you, is like... Does the phone start ringing or like? It, 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 it kind of created a platform for people to become aware of me. Yeah. Um, I think it, it, it resonated most with people who knew me from a previous corporate career. Sure. Like, oh, snap, this dude's like serious, like so serious that he's booked a television show. Right. And that's kind of how it started. People calling me like, hey, got this corporate holiday party or hey, my mom's turning 60. Can you come to... Uh, Cleveland and DJ the party and so what I would do I would leverage those opportunities to DJ a corporate party somebody's wedding somebody's you know family's event to call the local promoter and say hey I'm in town right. can I come DJ at your nightclub this weekend and so yeah. I began to DJ at more nightclubs and DJ different environments across the states by leveraging the fact that somebody else was already footing the bill and, and bringing me out for sure so that's kind of how I start to build nice um, so you uh you definitely have like your your brand together mm -hmm. uh between the logo and uh and uh is it hollywood champion of new sound yes <laughs> um, we're actually slowly getting away from that but yeah that's, that, right? that was that was the, that was the lo that was the brand for a long time and what it really really just means is just unequivocally being unafraid to just play something that's different and that's unique you know i see a lot of people who are traveling with their parties across the states at this point especially those like that kind of fit into the hip-hop demographic mm -hmm. and I think it really started with Grits and Biscuits because they were serving a need of like this southern historically black college experience and this music that now we live in you know our, our New York and LA and some of these other major cities and we just want that again For sure. and so from 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 I kind of saw that as the first wave of, of, of traveling hip-hop parties okay and now I see so many that are traveling and I, it's such an arduous task to get your party from your city to elsewhere. Yeah. But I, I ask myself, well, what's so different aside from the name of your party? Right. And I said, <laughs> like, if I'm hearing the same soundtracks, yeah. Future, Drake, Wayne, <clears throat> Swag Surfing, please stop. Like, I don't want to hear Swag Surfing anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, what, what's different? And so Hollywood's Champion of New Sound was just all about embracing and putting out music or putting 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 playing music during my sets that like damn that's that seaside track that i've loved from this album or that album mm -hmm. that 
you would never think you hear a DJ play, you know? And so that's where that just all came about, just working to, to just be a champion of things that are different. Um, and so when that comes together, is it, uh, like, can you see a difference in how, is, how you're then received? Absolutely, it's a combination of, you know, playing unique sounds, and as well as just a lot of energy behind the turntables. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely I'm definitely received differently, and it took me actually a long time to realize that because when I was unavailable for events, I would try to pass them on to you know a friend or counterpart, and some clients would be like, "No, we want you." Right. And I think because music wasn't necessarily the career path of music wasn't valued in my household. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, it took me a long time to understand why I was special within this. Not special in terms of better than, but special in terms of this, a unique voice, a unique, the, the unique way I presented that was actually valued. Okay. So when you say it wasn't valued, what was uh, your parents, what was the response to your, your uh, choice? My, well, my mom is deceased. My mom passed through my senior year of high school right. and she was just really adamant about me just doing whatever I love. You know what I mean? Um, my pops, he's a military man, you know, mm-hmm. man, we're from Baltimore. He's very hardcore. Uh-huh. And he was like, he, can I cuss on here? Yeah. <laughs> he was just like, what the fuck? Like, no, he he was not, um, right. he wasn't supportive of it at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? He didn't understand why I had gone along this path and was doing well for myself that I would want to leave, you know, this career trajectory to go into something that was completely abstract and unpredictable. Sure. And so it didn't fit into this linear path. So he just, nah, you know what I mean? Just wasn't with it. But um, that's the kind of thing, the, the, gift you, the gift you have, again, is just meant to be shared. And everybody, everybody's not going to understand it. It's not for everyone to understand. Yeah. I think it's for us as individuals to understand and then just go along the path of actually admitting it. So how do you reconcile that with your pops? You just like... We had to peace out for a while, man. We yeah. just had to stop talking. Okay. You know what I mean? Simply because when you're, when you're working to birth something new, any energy that's contrary to that is, is, is not conducive to what you're working to birth. You know what I mean? So we just had to, had to split ways. Mm-hmm. But, the, but the beautiful thing is that at a later point, when, when someone's able to see your vision then they get it. Sure. A lot of times people are seeing and believing. And I, and, I, and I tell it to anybody who's pursuing their passion. It doesn't have to be something in entertainment or the mm-hmm. arts. But, you know, what's for you is for you. And, and, and when I, it's not for you in terms of a selfish thing, but it's just your gift is meant to be birthed from you. Right. And as, you, as much as we may want the support of friends and family, those are going to oftentimes be the people who are your naysayers because yeah. they love you so much that they oftentimes want to keep you in a box of safety. But... You know, when you when you operate from a strong place of faith, you, that's your safety. It's funny because, you know, um, we think about that. We think, you know, I talk to people who their parents supported them all the way, you know, took them to their lessons or, you know, bought them equipment or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's what I do for my son. That's what's uh, up. How old's your son? He's 10. Nice. And so I'm, I've been trying to teach him to DJ. He's, he's right now he's on guitar and drums. Nice. But... Um, uh, but you know, we support all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, other people, their parents, you know, it's the exact opposite. Other people, like, and I guess my point is, there doesn't seem to be a formula. No. Like, I don't think I, you know, sometimes, like, I don't think it necessarily matters. Mm-hmm. You know, and as it, much as how you respond to to whatever is, is yeah. coming. 
and that's the that's the power of free will we have. You know, it, it there is no particular formula. I used to begrudge myself for having not started DJing when I originally wanted to, 12, 13, you know, asking dad, like, hey, can you get some turntables? He took me to the pawn shops, we couldn't find any. He's right. like, I'm definitely not buying no new turntables because no son of mine is gonna be a DJ anyway. Yeah. And that was like a uh, it's like a crush. Right. You know what I mean? And the kids remember those things, you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah, but um I used to begrudge begrudgingly wish I would have started then. But the blessing is that I took a took all of those different career paths that then led me to this, and it completely sh- changes the way in which I show up. Mm. You know, uh, so many of us are talented, but in this industry, it's not just talent; it's your it's, it's your work ethic, yeah. it's your determination, it's your drive, it's your energy, yeah. it's how you craft an email, it's how you dress. Right. All these things that are intangibles that we think is just about the craft. The craft is great, but you also, it's the package and how you show up. Yeah. And just coming from that, that corporate background and kind of understanding how the corporate players play, you know, I'm, I learned how to speak the language in a way that was able to market myself as a DJ yeah. that didn't allow me, didn't, I, I kind of, the, the path of being a struggling artist was short. Sure. You know? So, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously you have a you have a great list of corporate clients. You know, I've seen your website, all the big logos. Um, <laughs> what is it? Why? I mean, I think you're sort of touching on it, but but why do they pick you? Why do they pick me? I think in corporate environments, a lot of it is uh, it's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. It's a lot of impressing the higher ups. Right. And so when you're when you're working to climb the corporate ladder, you want to be associated with people who make you look good. Mm-hmm. And if I'm going to show up in a way that creates value and joy and and fun in the environment, it it helps make you look good. Yeah. In addition to us all having a great time. Sure. You know, I've literally had some some folks who you know sent, before I can get the thank you message out to them. Thank you, man. My boss had a great time. Nice. Okay. I wasn't doing it for your boss, but okay. If that, is that what works for you? You know what I mean? For sure. No problem. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, uh, that's important. You know, the people forget the customer service oh, big side time. of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we think we're the talent mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and, and I am talent yeah. and you know, but still, I'm I'm an accust- I'm in a client facing business. I have to I have to serve the client first. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So it's it's a it's a two way street. So you said you're moving away from the the tagline and and that. So how's the vision changing? The vision is changing by just orchestrating experiences that really uh, bring us together. You know, I I have an what was an annual event now is kind of turned into, you know, more than annual. Right. A big block party block I do party. here in LA, LA every year. Yeah. It's called Behind Block Party. It started in 2014 as a birthday party. And interestingly enough, it's, it, we did it behind my boy's building. And because he lives in a fourplex and at the very edge of the block, there's this huge brick wall that separates us from the main street. Mm. And it serves as a, like a space that encapsulated the sound. And we started because I wanted to do my party at a venue, and the venue said, you can play hip-hop, but not, like, current hip-hop. Like, if it's only, like, 80s, right. 89 hip-hop era, you can right. play it, but none of that new stuff. I'm like, what? Yeah. That didn't make any sense, you know? can't believe people are still saying that. No, this, yeah, which is crazy, you know what I mean? But I said, man, after this, I don't, I don't, I'm, you know, you can't curtail the creativity. We want to be right. able to express ourselves. Yeah. And so we just kind of took it back to the... Back in the days, I was heavily, heavily, heavily 
influenced by the fact that I'm originally from Baltimore and that's what we would do during the summertime. It would be block parties. You shut right. down a block, DJs sure. would be out there. But then also I saw Diplo. He was kind of facing some of the challenges I saw myself facing, like mm-hmm. within that, with DJing for the corporate clients is, you know, although it's, it's the compensation was good, you have to fit into the box right. of what resonates sure. with that respective brand. Yeah. And so Diplo kind of got tired of that and he was like, he just started doing these block parties. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna do it for my birthday. And right. 250 people showed up, you know, we had artwork on the wall and, yeah. and bar and everything. It's like, all right, cool. That has grown into a massive production at nice. this point. You know, yeah. my guy Davon over there, uh-huh. he's the creative mastermind behind some of our stage and lighting and, and, and the uh, whole concept and visuals of the, of the experience now. Yeah. And why I realize it's successful, because we, 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 we're Coachella heads. We go to Coachella every year. Same here. You know, big group of us, and, and there's a bunch of black guys, and all the time people are like, man, I've never seen black guys rave like this. And it's like, it's not about your your race it's about your energy of course you know and that's what i love about music festival environments it's the only space that if you were walking down the street you may otherwise not speak to someone but you mm-hmm. look to your left you look to your right there's an asian girl here there's a native american guy over there white people black people the whole every every everybody from every walk of life yeah and it really shows me that music is the strongest form of love in terms of yeah it's it just eliminates any barrier to connecting. And I, and I look to be in and create environments that reflect that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what the block party is. It's like a thousand people showing up in DTLA mm-hmm. and we're just having an amazing time. That's great. It's funny, one of my, so I go to Coachella every year. And one of my, I have a lot of favorite moments, but mm-hmm. um, I was in the front row for Ice Cube. Mm. And I, I guess that was three years ago. And, you know, I used to manage Dub C, who's now his hype man. Word. And so, you know. West Side Connection. Uh, so I was excited and I looked to my left and there's a dude, you know, bald head, face tattoos, just, you know, gangs, just throwing up whatever while he's dancing. Mm-hmm. And then to my right was like an old grandma. Mm-hmm. just dancing <laughs> she had stumbled over from the rave tent you know what I mean and whatever and I, and I was like yeah this is you know like nobody cares who anybody is right. they're just living it yeah because you're surprised as to who likes what like me and my guys are losing it at the Tame Impala uh-huh. show and people are like they're just not not they're not expecting to see us For you sure. know what I mean but yeah music music is universal yeah it's that universal love yeah so yeah no so yeah so that's that's what's next for me man just transition to more spaces that feel like that um so where 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 are you trying to take the block party what's that what's that vision look like you know you know we've been doing it now for what five six years here in la Mm -hmm. i have some folks encourage me to travel with it but so much of it for me is is about maintaining the integrity of it i love having people come to la to travel to experience it here Mm -hmm. because there's this big misconception everybody's hollywood and pretentious and that you know people don't talk to each other but every time we host the event i have people walking away saying man that was just so amazing there was Uh just the energy the energy the did and i'm like you guys do know we hosted this in a parking lot, right? right? But why I realize that people feel the energy because our intention is to connect you. Yeah. We eliminate all the barriers that prevent people from connecting. There's no VIP, mm-hmm. there's no bottle service. Mm-hmm. You might be on a guest list, but you're still waiting your ass in line. Mm-hmm. Like everyone is treated as an equal. Yeah. You know, celebrities who show up are partying right next to people who just bought a ticket. It doesn't really matter 
who you are except just a, someone who wants to come and have a good time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we definitely will we'll continue to expand it here in L.A. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see about taking it to other markets, because as, as I discussed earlier, it's not it's not good enough to just have your 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 event travel to another city. Right. It has to be something that's bringing a unique for sure unique experience to the city. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, I think L.A. is known for that, uh, those barriers. Mm. And I think whenever you find those parties that don't have those, mm -hmm. it's like all the more special. Yeah. Um, Big time. And we put a lot of work into the production. Like, yeah. you know, we had a, a fire truck as a stage. Oh, cool. For this most recent one we had. Wow. And, you know, Davon Johnson, he mastermind behind that. We had the concept like two years ago, but it took us that long. It took just the right timing for it to come to fruition. Yeah. And literally, that was one of the most exhilarating experiences to DJ atop a fire truck. I'm sure. When my set started, the fire truck engine started up, oh, the lights wow. are blaring and everything cool. else. It's just like adding those unique elements like that to yeah. any type of event creates its value. For sure. You know? That's dope. Um, so then I know you also have beats to beat breast cancer. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So um, I lost my mom, Tracy, uh, you know, my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. I was only 17 to a 14 month battle with breast cancer. Wow. You know, it was metastatic cancer, so it spread to her liver, lungs, lymph nodes. Um, even though she had a mastectomy, it just spread so rapidly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in addition, to, it was crazy at the time my mom was getting chemotherapy. My godmother, Linda, said, oh, let me go get a mammogram. She realized mm -hmm. she was stage one. So we we're both going to like chemo treatments at the same time with each other. Mm -hmm. And my godmother, Linda, always thanked my mom for having saved her life. But what I didn't realize is that after she, you know, was cancer free, she never went back to the mm -hmm. hospital ever again. She just had such a poor experience and traumatic experience with breast cancer. She, she never got went back for a checkup. So 14 years later, cancer came back with a vengeance, sure. metastatic as well, and also spread everywhere. And we, and we also lost my godmother, Linda. So here it is, the two women who are my moms yeah. are, are both, you know, you know, that's the whole point of having a godmother, that Lord forbid right, something happened to your, your biological mom, your godmom is there. Mm -hmm. So for them to be best friends and then both die of the same disease, you know, my mom always encouraged me to be a leader. Mm -hmm. And so it's not enough for me to have this platform and not do something that makes a difference within this cause. Mm -hmm. You know, African-American women die at a disproportionately higher rate to breast cancer in comparison to other cultures, right. largely due to late detection. Um, there's socioeconomic barriers. There's uh, a history within our nation of black people being used as guinea pigs. Mm -hmm. It's been so long, but a lot of black women don't feel sure. like they can be self-advocates because they're not heard. Yeah. And so Beats to Beat Breast Cancer was born out of that. You know, we leveraged the tool of music to bring communities together, just like we're talking about with Coachella. Mm -hmm. um, we bring the medical research community together with uh, the African-American community who needs to know this information the most, and it serves as a platform by which we, it's a, it's a day of celebration of life. We're honoring breast cancer survivors. We do full makeovers, you know, oh, to, cool. to, you know I mean, like hair, makeup, nails, wardrobe. Yeah. Um, we, we provide awards to survivors in the community who are using their story to become activists to ensure mm. that other women don't die from this disease. And we're really using, like I said, that tool, music as a tool to bridge these communities. And so we've been doing this now for the last six years. Nice. And it's, I'm super thankful for the, you know, the opportunity, to, the opportunity to, to really just make a difference in this cause. 
So with something like that, that's kind of purpose-driven, is it? does that change your approach compared to the other things you do that are, that are quote-unquote business? Or is it... When you say approach, what no. aspect? I don't know. Well, I think... I guess, is it, does, it, does it mean something different to you? Oh, absolutely. You know, at, at first, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a tool for me to heal. You know, as much as someone who can emit great light that person can also harbor a lot of darkness. Yeah. And I har- harbored a lot of darkness surrounding my ability to let love in mm. based on my mom being my best friend and, and losing her at such an early age. Yeah. I didn't know how to properly, you know, I let people love me, but like, don't get too close. Of course. Because I, I could lose you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so. That's, that's understandable. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I didn't understand. It was just an emotional. It was emotional trauma, it was emotional fault line within mm-hmm. my with, within how I showed up that I wasn't even as clear of, clear of. And so the first few years, it was really a tool to help heal, and I've thankfully healed by a number of ways, including therapy, <laughs> which changes lives. Of course, but um, it's the same approach with with in, in comparison to everything else I do. It's about literally using the gift to make a difference in someone else's life, and we raise funds that is dedicated to cancer research. We help fund mm-hmm. students who are going to these medical programs who have a particular focus in eradicating this disease within African-American community. We raise funds for those doctors to go to school, for, for them to become doctors, medical researchers, to, to then give back to the communities who are most in need. You know, so it, it's, I think it's, the approach is, is all the same. Yeah. You know? How do you, um, you, you seem very busy. <laughs> um, <laughs> How do you decide what to say no to? Woo, that's probably about the first question I'm not going to have an answer to. <laughs> I struggle with that yeah. big time. Um, I have worn myself out yeah. big time in not knowing how to say no because I always want others to feel happy based on the music. Yeah. And that I've literally, there's been moments where I've been on three continents within three days, mm-hmm. showing up for people, mm-hmm. showing up for friends. I did that in October, this literally this, this most recent October. Wow. But what I told myself and committed myself to in 2020 is just 2020 clear vision, is to really assess it. Is it necessary for me to be there? Mm-hmm. Or is it a want for me to be there? Or just like there has to be a different criteria by which I decide, we decide as a team mm-hmm. what, I, what I'm present to versus what I'm not. And I think for a long time, I just felt as if like it'd be a diss to someone if I said no. But no is more so like a yes to me. Okay. Rest is sure. essential. I got to yeah. get, get that rest. And I, I, I have some people in my Insta story telling me like, man, I just get exhausted looking at you go. You know, so I'm, I'm taking that like when I don't take my rest is, yeah, it's not, I'm not good for anybody. So I'm, I'm learning to. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, like. The, the most successful people know how to say no mm-hmm. and the more you successful you get the more you have to say no and mm-hmm. I think that's um, I talk to a lot of people that struggle with that like it's, it's a process to learn that because mm-hmm. you want to be there for people otherwise you wouldn't be doing it facts and uh, yeah I get it yeah I'm, I'm still learning trust me I'm still learning you um, so you mentioned the team what do you what makes the right team for you and what do you look for from your team? Integrity. Integrity. In- integrity. I, I just can't stress it enough. And integrity for me is just mean 
you it's it's a it's a alignment between your thoughts your words and your deeds if i think it i'm gonna say it if mm-hmm. i say it i'm gonna do it we're all human we fall short of that sometimes but if there's a break in one of those things i then update it i make yeah. a new relationship to word and a new relationship to my communication with you a pet peeve of mine and why i often find it difficult to to work with other creatives is because you say you're going to do it but you don't do it right you said that you're going to get the venue you didn't get the venue sure i got an event this this friday one of my counterparts they'll hear it you said you get the flyer two weeks ago or a right. week ago like yeah. why don't we have a flyer these things aren't that that difficult just to promo a party yeah. and so the team that i've been blessed to 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 be with we are we are family and we can have the most difficult conversations with each other we can check each other in love mm-hmm. you know we can get frustrated with each other but be able to have a conversation and be honest about it mm-hmm. you know what i mean because we know at the end of the day we all we all are working to be our best yeah. and and no one in the team is serving anyone else our respective gifts serve the greater pool of what we're all capable of doing and when we kind of combine those combine those respective talents it's like captain planet you know what i mean <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that, you know, obviously coming from from a corporate background, right? Like, you know, I've encountered a lot of creative people who, um, you know, they assume that the world will wait for them, Mm. right? And that that creativity on their own timetable is going to be okay. And I think, you know, um, that's what my experience working with, you know, corporate uh, clients has taught me is, is it's it's the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. It's the, the deadline's the deadline, mm-hmm. and um, you know if you you do the best work you've ever done, the day after the Super Bowl, then uh, it doesn't do anybody any good. That part you got to show up for the game day. And I think sometimes creators we can get so in our heart about what we're creating, sure. But that's the beautiful thing about creativity it runs in abundance. Yeah. Sure, you may listen to a project or I listened to a mixtape from a few years ago. I'm like, Ugh, why that transition like that? But that's the beautiful thing, thing about it. You can continue to create. Yeah. One artist who I love, who's just clearly on that wave right now, Gold Link, mm-hmm. out of D.C. area. Mm-hmm. Man, he has, he. it feels like he has an album and an album and an album and he gets keep better and better. His latest album, uh, Diaspora, oh my mm. God. Like, it literally, he takes, you know, different musical elements across the whole, from the whole diaspora. And like, I just see this man continue to get better. And I can only imagine like, if he held off on putting out a new project because he's waiting for one thing or another, mm-hmm. then he's just kind of shortchanging everyone in the process. Right. It's like the detox waiting on it. Yeah. <laughs> I only roll with my So I have I have a technical question. I, you know, you cross genres. You're you're uh, obviously listening to music from, you know, different places around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, with all that music, how do you decide on a song? Mm. It's a combination of between how I feel, where we want to take the crowd, mm-hmm. and just the timing. One thing I'm complimenting all the time is timing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
thanks scratch academy <laughs> but um it's really it's so what, wait, tell me about that what'd you learn uh, how do you learn timing at scratch cat oh largely because you know you just understand at what point of a song to transition and what makes most sense it's yeah. nothing worse than you're at a song when you're at a club and you're ready to sing, sing your favorite part of the song and the dj cuts it off right. oh my god quick mix no no disrespect to my new york djs but <laughs> <laughs> uh you know right it, you can even quick mixes is fine yeah, but sure. you don't have to quick mix all night right you, you do too much quick mixing and it feels like I'm on a hamster on a, on, right. a, on the wheel. Yeah. You, you know, it's just it's just called ebb and flow. At certain mm -hmm. points of night, you need to quick mix just to get the energy up. Yeah. Other points of night, you need to play a vibe at the beginning. Or other moments, you need you know like house music or music that have Afro beats. You need mm -hmm. to let those things extend and play a little longer. Mm -hmm. um, so it's no it's no formula. You just got to feel it. You got to feel it. I think you got to come in having a particular game plan in mind and know that there's going to be a, 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 about 10 to 12 audibles through, throughout the night that you yeah. just got to quickly adjust to. Nice. Um, so going into next year, what, what are you most excited about? Uh, being in L.A. more frequently. Okay. <laughs> um, both of my brothers live in Los Angeles now. Yeah. Um, you know, we're all in entertainment, uh -huh. which is really interesting. Nice. Uh, my, my middle brother is, uh, my brother Ryan is a media planner. Oh, cool. And my youngest brother is a screenwriter, Kamani. Um, spending more time with family. Yeah. Dating, you know what okay. I mean? <laughs> Something that I put on the back burner for a while. Yeah. Um, and creating music production, you know, something I also, you know, had kind of shied away from so because I was making excuses. I'm always on the road, always on the road. But I'm just so excited to create a sound that resonates most with me. You know what I mean? I love elements from... New Jack Swing, anything mm -hmm. produced by Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, Teddy mm -hmm. Riley. I love Kei Trinata. Mm -hmm. I love, you know, percussion. I love so many elements of just so many different things. I love Baltimore club music, you mm -hmm. know. I'm just interested to see. Some of, the, some of the music coming out of Baltimore is amazing. Yeah, you know, and, and people tend to think it, it died away with, with uh, uh, K-Swift, late great yeah. K-Swift, club queen. But it isn't. It's still there. I think Jersey adopted a, a bit of it, you know. But um, nonetheless, just, just I'm just really interested to see finally me sitting down and, and, and putting time and attention into production, mm -hmm. what the unique sound will be and how that takes things to the nice. next level. Um, you know, you talked about meditation. Mm -hmm. what, what are your routines, your habits that are sort of most valuable? Without a doubt, meditation. I've had people stop me at events and say, you meditate, don't you? I'm like, yeah, it's like, just came with a different calm. I, I, I strongly believe in the law of attraction. I yeah. listen to a lot of Abraham and Esther Hicks. I meditate, you know, on my best days, day and night, but at bare minimum, 15 minutes in the morning. Mm -hmm. I do my best to not sleep with my phone. I am not perfect. We live yeah. in that era. But even, even, you know, today's a good example. You know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I just kind of, Picked up my phone, quick glance, 16 messages when I woke up. Sure. I didn't get to my DMs until, you know, much later, 38 DMs. Right. I was like, what? The? And I'm, But when we start our day in response mode, yeah. the rest of the day is like that. You feel like you're always trying to catch up. But the beautiful thing of meditation is that you get to clear not only your mind, but your spirit and your space, and you get to set the intention for the day. Mm -hmm. And it's and it's, I think some oftentimes we don't lean into it because we think we need to be completely silent or, or you want our minds to be completely shut off. 
the more you focus on your mind being solid, the more it's gonna right. it's gonna run. Yeah, of course. But the goal is just for you to, to go into that space and allow you to connect with the universe, like I said, so you can set the intention for the day. Mm -hmm. And I focus on your mind's gonna ramble, but the more you do it, you'll see your mind just begin to get calm. And it allows me to approach the day from a different place of, of, of peace and positivity that otherwise would escape me because I'd be just responding to your reaction. For sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cool. I have a little lightning round before I let you go. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite city to travel to? Ooh. Berlin. Oh, nice. Yeah. Who's your favorite DJ? Ooh, that's, man, I can't answer that. There's <laughs> so many. How about I give you a few? Okay. Uh, Jazzy Jeff, yeah. Diplo, K Trinata, uh, D Nice. Um, th those are just a few. There's others, but those are a few. They're all great. What, what's the last great book you read? The last great book I read. Whew. I don't know if it was the last, the last one, but I can say one that um, really kind of changed the game for me. Um, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. Mm. It's really the study of how we can reshift and reprogram ourselves. It really talks about how we only do that which is in alignment with our self-esteem. Okay. And so it's amazing. Nice. I, I can go on about it, but I'm gonna check it look out. it up. Yeah, I will. What movie have you seen the most in your life? Ooh, probably somewhere between What's Love Got to Do With It uh -huh. and Color Purple. Okay. But the movie I'm most excited about right now is Queen and Slim. Oh, yeah. By Melina and Lena Waithe. When I tell you this is a game changer, this film is epic. Nice. I, had to, I was blessed to go to a screening of it. It comes out very soon. Cool. It, it is amazing. Yeah. When I, it's going to sweep every award. It is the modern day Bonnie and Clyde. It talks about a lot of the civil unrest in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. it's, it's epic. It will forever be etched in American culture, this film. Yeah, I'm excited to see it. The movie I'm most excited about is Coming to America, too. Coming to America. Man, I'm tired of these reboots because it, I don't. I, 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 yeah, I, me too, but <laughs> I don't care. That. I mean,. You know, I'm just down to see Eddie. I, I definitely want to see it, but it's just the original is so classic. For sure. It's so classic, so I hope For they sure. get it right. It's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I have faith in Eddie. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Um, oh. What style of yours are you glad is behind you and not on <laughs> social media? <laughs> oh, man. I used to have this stripe of blonde in my hair <laughs> yeah, it was okay. like it was like I a hot top fade yeah. at first it went from gold and it was silver i was like who let me out in these streets like that i'm so i'm so thankful that's that's behind me <laughs> that's hilarious um if i worked for you what's something i would hear you say over and over shit <laughs> <laughs> or thank you you, you hear me say shit and thank you all the time. Shit just like, woo, there's a lot going on. And thank you that this is a lot going on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. They're both useful. Big time. Absolutely. Oh, that was an amazing interview, man. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, Jay. Appreciate, appreciate you. Me.
Come back anytime. Uh, we'll definitely be watching to see what's next. I appreciate it. I've definitely smiled a lot more than I expected today. So I nice. appreciate you having me, man. Hope, hope everyone listening gets a jewel or two. I'm sure they will. That's what's up. Um, how should everybody follow you online? On social, all my socials are at DJBHENBHENBHEN. Cool. Always Brian Henry for short, DJBHEN, all nice. socials. Beautiful. Yo, that was Behan on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, make sure you hit us with a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now. Leave us some comments. Uh, you can always reach out on Twitter or on Facebook, wherever you like. It's at Rebel Radio Net. Make sure you go to our YouTube page at Rebel Radio Net. We're uploading videos from a lot of our episodes. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.